Hey everybody, welcome to the Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yavoli. The Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast is about talking to people who have dedicated their life to the game of lacrosse and learning about who they are, how they got to where they are today, and what they do to improve themselves and their teams. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GC Sports, and if you're a coach or a parent, check out Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. You can ditch the emails and spreadsheets. The free Game Changer Team Manager app streamlines communication, scheduling, and live scoring into one easy-to-use app. Game Changer Team Manager is 100% free for your entire team. Learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager or search for Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. Today in the show, we have Tom Marachek. Tom is a Syracuse lacrosse legend, someone who I feel needs no introduction, a four-time All-American and a member of both the NCAA and the U.S. Lacrosse Hall of Fame. He is now the director of lacrosse at IMG Academy. Tom and I got a chance to talk about a lot of things like what led him to Syracuse, mastering the behind the back, emulating his idols, and his new role at the IMG Academy. Here's my interview with Tom Marachek. Tom, welcome to the show. Joe, good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I'm excited to get to talk, um, but let's get started like I always do. How'd you get started playing lacrosse? I got started playing lacrosse at the age of six. My brother, uh, Bill Marachek, introduced me to the sport back when I grew up in Canada, uh, Victoria, British Columbia. Uh, kind of funny, interesting story. I was actually ready to sign up for baseball with my good friend, Andrew Neville, who's a neighbor of ours. And my brother just came back from Ontario playing junior lacrosse. Uh, he's been, he was gone for two years. Hmm. And he, he took my baseball glove and threw it over the fence and gave me this wooden stick. And, and it's been, you know, to his credit, I, I picked it up pretty soon, pretty quick. Um, and uh, that's how it started. My brother, uh, Bill Marichek, who was a great player in his own right. That's awesome. So he jumped in to, to save you from baseball, basically. He did. He did. <laughs> Canadian, Canadian, base, Canadian baseball in, you know, 1976 wasn't, wasn't that big. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So um, he, told, he told me, you know, to play lacrosse. Right. Uh, how much older uh, was your brother, Bill? 13 years older. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Thir- Thirteen. Yeah. Thirteen years. Right. So how do you, how long had he been playing lacrosse um, when he jumped in um, to push you in that direction? He started. We actually were. I was born in Kitchener, Ontario, mm-hmm. and we moved to Ottawa. So we're we're Eastern Canadians at first. My dad had a government job, and uh, one day my sister, my my dad's sister, my aunt Camille, lived in Victoria. She came with her family over across country to visit us. Mm-hmm. He told us how beautiful, how beautiful Victoria, British Columbia was on the island. And dad went and visit. And ever since, uh, you know, we he came back and told us that we're moving to Victoria. Right. So my brother grew up playing. My brother grew up playing lacrosse, at, uh, probably the same age, seven or eight years old, for Ottawa, Nepean, Ottawa. Gotcha. And uh, so he's been playing. He was playing for a long time. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so all you guys got got started playing young. Um, so, did you play any other sports growing up, or was it just lacrosse? I played soccer. So I, um, I played lacrosse was my first sport. Mm-hmm. Um, then I played, I played soccer, probably picked up soccer the next year, um, seven years old. And so it was a great, uh, you know, it was, it was good to both sports help each other out. I played soccer August through April mm-hmm. in Victoria and we picked up uh box across started April all the way through to, uh, the end of August. So it was a good compliment to play both sports. Right. Gotcha. And can you talk a little bit about how playing another sport might have helped your game in lacrosse or maybe vice versa? Yeah. Soccer, I guess I always loved lacrosse a little bit more just because my brother was good at it and he took the time to teach me, teach me it. Um, lacrosse, soccer was amazing. Soccer, we used to, you know, soccer's training was a lot more intense than lacrosse. You know, we'd be playing, we'd be running on the beach, on the sand, 
And, uh, and that got me in shape for, uh, for lacrosse, you know, obviously more, um, you know, soccer, uh, was, was, was good. You know, I would say I, I, the soccer for me, I've actually played semi-pro soccer. So soccer Mm. became, I became really good at soccer. I was a, a striker and a right wing. Yeah. And I was pretty much equal in both sports up till I was probably, you know, 17, 18. And I kind of just took over in lacrosse, playing junior A, playing with the Gate Brothers and all that. So both sports are very good um, and they, they complement each other well. Right. So, so what was that? What was it that led you to choose lacrosse over soccer? When did when did lacrosse become the thing that you thought you might want to play at the next level? When we were playing junior, when we were playing junior A here in Victoria, we mm-hmm. played for a, a local team called the Squamalt Legion, and we, we made it to, you know, the Minto Cup, which is one of the oldest amateur trophies in Canada. Right. Um, since uh, It's been around since 1901. Uh, Lord Minto uh, is the uh, the name of the, the cup, and, and, and it was a great... It was a great championship to be in. It's it was hard. To, it's very hard to get to the Minto Cup because you had to beat everybody uh, in your province. So we'd have to beat you know three teams on the West Coast in Vancouver to right. make it to play against the best team in Ontario. So hmm. every year we we uh, we made it to the Minto, but never won it. We had the best team on paper, hmm. you know, back eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven. And finally, in 88, we had the Mental Cup. It was held here in Victoria with the Gate Brothers and the Pepper Twins and Robbie Dillon, all my friends I grew up with playing. Right. Uh, we won that. We, we finally won the elusive Mental Cup here in 1988, <laughs> Victoria. And since then, that kind of helped me. That kind of helped me get my scholarship at Syracuse because I was the top scorer uh, in the Mental Cup, hmm. um, even over even over the Gate Brothers and. Uh, so Coach Simmons and Desco knew about that, and uh, the next that 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 fall, that winter, January, is when I went to Syracuse for the first time. That was so. The, so the Minto Cup helped you, um, or at least get on the radar of the guys at Syracuse. Um, so so yeah, yeah, I feel like um, this is a, a good transition into college. Can you talk about what made you decide on Syracuse? It was funny, Joe. I had one letter. Uh, back in when I was 14 years old from Whittier College in mm-hmm. California. Um, and that was my first kind of offer to play college lacrosse. I didn't really know anything about college lacrosse. Right. A few of my friends from Victoria, a few of my friends from Victoria and Vancouver actually went to Whittier College and played. Um, and we, it, we actually, we actually scrimmaged Whittier College, the Gate Brothers, myself, Pepper Twins, all the same guys that we played junior together with. And, we beat Whittier College <laughs> at the age of 14 and 15. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so I was, was kind of like, eh, I don't know if I really want to go to that college. How good are they if, if our 14, you know, 14, 15-year-old kid beat the, beat a collegiate team? Right. Um, so that was, my own, that was my only real letter. You mm-hmm. know, they never really came and uh, scouted, scouted us or recruited us as far as Victoria. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Gate Brothers went there. The Gate Brothers went there first, and that's how basically we started. Um, the Gates mentioned my name to Coach uh, Simmons and Desco, and, and we, that's how we started the, the ball rolling. Gotcha. So, so the Gates told uh, Coach Desco and Coach Simmons, "Hey, you gotta you gotta reach out, or you gotta check out this guy Tom Marichek." Then they reached out to you, and the rest is history. That's how it went down. That's kind of how it went down, and I was very fortunate, though. Actually, when I went to Syracuse in January. Um, I wasn't really used to the snow, you know, it's yeah. funny. A lot of people on the team, a lot of pe- people on the team just thought Canada was Canada and everywhere he went was, you know, eight feet of, <laughs> eight feet of snow. Right. Um, but I, I had to convince them, no, it wasn't, you know, I'm from the island and our, our winters are pretty moderate and we don't, it doesn't snow much at all. Um, right. so yeah, it was a culture. It was actually a culture shock for me going to Syracuse in January, as you know, hmm. how cold it can be in January and, I think it actually holds the record. I think Syracuse holds the records for that year, 1989, of most snowfall. Um, so, yeah, so I went to Syracuse, and we, uh, you know, right away I'm playing against Johns Hopkins, my first game, March, first week of March, and I couldn't believe the crowds they got. You know, at Johns Hopkins, we, uh, they packed Homewood Field, and unfortunately, we, I lost my first game, my first collegiate game. We actually lost, uh, hmm. I believe it was 15-14, 
Yeah. And I was th- I was kind of thinking, oh, this is going to be tough, you know, right. to do to have a back to back back-to-back win um, against them because we won the year before uh, in 1988 before I was there that was the that was the air gate era uh, right. year um, so ever ever since that everything made sense you know I, I, yeah. I loved Syracuse so much and and I was very fortunate to, to, to be there and to have a scholarship and win the win uh, the championship the first year against right. John Thompson. For sure, for sure. Yeah, you know, for me, real quick, for me, the tough part about Syracuse wasn't so much the snow as it was the weeks and months of just gray, cloudy skies. Just absolutely no sun up there whatsoever. <laughs> Which uh, right, right, right. Yeah, it takes a little while it's to kinda, get yeah. used to. Yeah, um, yeah, it's depressing. Depressing, <laughs> right. Um, so, so I'm curious, was, uh, had you played any outdoor lacrosse at all before coming to Syracuse? We did. We did. We actually played, funny you say that we actually played the gate brothers and myself played against, uh, played with my brother and his, and his friends with the, uh, Victoria Sea Spray organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so field lacrosse wasn't introduced to Victoria until 1981. Hmm. So we, we played, we played just, just kind of club played against other Vancouver teams, gotcha. went to Portland and, uh, we didn't have high school and it really isn't still is not that many high schools that play lacrosse in Canada. Hmm. Um, it's a lot different atmosphere than where you're from Long Island or Baltimore or the hotbed that's, that's all high school lacrosse. Right. Um, right. So just a little bit of, just a little bit of field lacrosse, not mm-hmm. much, mostly all box gotcha. and, uh, yeah. Gotcha. So, so once you got to school, um, was there a learning curve? What, what were some of the things you did to sort of, you know, I, I guess pick up the outdoor game as quick as you could? Because I mean, you said your first game is against Hopkins. That is, uh, you know, that's quite a team to be your first, you know, one of your first like professional outdoor games, or I guess not professional, but one of your first serious outdoor games. How did you? How did you sort of learn? Uh, learn the game as quick as you can once you got up there. The biggest thing I learned is stick protection as an attackman, mm-hmm. move your feet. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up in Canada, we played against Canadian guys with six foot poles, defensemen, right. but they weren't really taught or coached the right way to play defense. They played box across with a cross style on defense. Right. And, uh, and I remember it's it's funny you say that that first that first week I, I was guarded by Pat McCabe, mm-hmm. who uh, you know was a, obviously a four time All American Hall of Famer teammate of mine. Him and I are really good friends still. Right. He just he stripped the ball away from me twice <laughs> in a row in <laughs> practice. So that was a that was a rude awakening and an eye opener for me that you know I need to I need to, to protect my stick and move my feet more because we're not used to that in right. Canada back in the day and and uh, so it was an adjustment it was an adjustment of uh, learning the outdoor game especially as good as Syracuse was I've never seen so many good players on one team at once you know we had fifty guys fifty players on our team. And any one of them could have started in the top 10 schools in the country, but right. they chose Syracuse. Right. Um, so to have all that talent in one, on one team, mm-hmm. that was an eye opener for me. And mm-hmm. I knew that I, I knew that I needed to get better. And mm-hmm. I knew I, I wanted to get better. Right. So can you talk about what were some of the things that you did to get better? What were, was it, you know, extra one-on-ones watching film? What did that look like for you? Um, a little bit of extra one-on-ones after practice, but no, just, just playing hard, just mm-hmm. learning from other guys, you know, right. learning, watching other attackmen and middies play. You know, I had, you know, I had a, a great attack line, you know, John Gilberti, of course, was a mm-hmm. two-time Turnbull award winner. I had, you know, Jim Egan and, and Greg Burns. So I had some good attackmen to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I, you know, I think we even had, we probably had, six other attackmen that didn't even see the field on our team. Right. Um, but they were, but they were all good. They're all really good. And they're all Americans at their, at their schools they went to and long Island and upstate New York and, mm-hmm. and Baltimore, you name it. These guys are really, 
good stud uh, attackmen. So I learned from them. I just right. learned and 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 just I just played hard. I just right. felt more confident. Probably after the second week, I felt confident. Um, I have an interesting story if you have time. Yeah. Um, I remember I remember uh, in the cold. Um, I want to say at the end of February, maybe the yeah the end of February. We're leading up to the first game against Hopkins. Uh, I remember going uh, um, in practice on Coin Field where the snow's pushed against the fence. I'm sure you remember that. So Coin yeah. Field was all snow. We're practicing outside. And, and I remember getting a ball um, at center. I came up, you know, as an attackman would. A ball was passed to me on a kind of a half, like a, a sort of a break, a slow break. I grabbed mm-hmm. the ball. I ran down the middle of the field. And Gary Gate was on the left side of me, streaking down as a midi. Mm-hmm. I threw him a behind the back pass, and I, I missed him by <laughs> ten yards over his stick. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it went out of bounds. And now, you know, now we're kind of we're kind of riding as an attack. You know, we're set up. We're scrimmaging against each. We're scrimmaging against each other. Uh-huh. Um, and I just I just remember uh, John Desco, Coach Desco, just yelling at me yelling at me you know marichak marichak are you kidding me are you kidding me marichak are you trying to get the crowd going is that why you do that and he just was he was on me relentlessly on me on me on me to a point where he actually came up i couldn't even look at him and i'm riding i'm riding right he came up to me and he's like you know he's behind me i could just feel his breath on my neck my hair stood up <laughs> and and i was like i you know i'm thinking i'm done i'm done right. i hear this was my chance this is my chance to 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 make to make it to to get that first spot on attack and and i don't have a chance now doing that so in the same sense the, the ball clears we mm-hmm. they clear the ball past us it goes the other end to the other end our the other goalie made the save i forgot who it was throws it back up I'm in the same situation almost. I'm coming up to center. The ball's thrown to me by a midi streaking. Uh-huh. I'm running right down the middle of the field. No one's near me. No uh-huh. one's picking me up. I'm going straight down the field. And I'm probably, it's crazy, probably 12 yards out from the goal. Uh-huh. I shot I shot a behind the back from 12 yards out on the run uh-huh. on Matt Palom, our starting goalie, and it went right in the top corner. <laughs> and I was I took the biggest breath biggest breath of air thinking whew wow am I lucky because that would have been do or die for sure right. not a chance to be on the starting on the starting attack at all <laughs> and you know and I tell people the story because you know you do need to take some chances as right. a kid growing up there's some ch- there's, you got to take some chances and, and go with what you what you what God's given you you know right. you you I was ta- I was talented and I knew that and I just I took a chance but wow that right. that, that story I, I tell still and it's just it's crazy that I even tried it again behind the back especially a shot from twelve yards out <laughs> yeah so absolutely um, um so first I'm curious did Desco say anything to you after you scored <laughs> no, it, no it's it's funny you say that it's funny you say that because the corner of my eye uh-huh. there you know the balls the ball we had some, I think we had some some referees there at that scrimmage. Uh-huh. I kind of, in the corner of my eye, look, I looked on the sideline t- towards Desco and Simmons and, mm-hmm. and Kevin Donahue and I think yeah. Leland Rogers. Yeah, Leland Rogers was there. And they were all like eyes big, smiling, laughing. They, and it was <laughs> like they couldn't believe what they just saw. <laughs> I kind of felt I kind of felt better after seeing their eyes and smiles and, right. and <laughs> I felt a right. little better about all this I, I am actually I, I'm surprised that the very next time down you ended up shooting around the back because I've seen I've been at the receiving end of Desco's wrath I guess is the way to put it and uh, it is not something anybody wants to be in front of <laughs> no is, yeah. no it isn't you yeah. know you know and I know you know and I know, you know? <laughs> right yeah he, he He's a big, he's a big, he's a big burly guy and he's got yep. a deep voice yep. and it's, it's, yeah, it could be scary. I, I remember him yelling at the gates one time. Nobody ever yells at the gates. So you think, right? Yeah. Right. Um, he, uh, he yelled at Gary for going between the legs against UMass. <sighs> and I think in a playoff game in the dome and he just lost it on Gary at halftime. 
And the whole room was just, the whole room was quiet. Gary was a senior captain. The whole room was just, just quiet. They, we couldn't, we were in disbelief that he just yelled at Gary Gate, um, and lost and lost it on him. Yeah. Desco, you know, Desco's one of those guys, but Simmons was, Simmons was the best. We all love Simmons because he was more of a father figure. Um, he could relate to the, he could relate to the players. He's a people person. Um, Desco's gotten a little. Desco's got. Desco's gotten a little better after I've I've saw him out. You know, last couple of years out there. But Simmons was great. Simmons was, uh, you know, he was he was great. He was awesome. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to. I had to tell you that funny little story because yeah. I, I like telling that. No, that's 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 great. So I, I actually. Um, so one question about um, the around the back um, because you know I've talked to a couple of players on this show and. My sort of viewpoint, um, and it sounds like maybe Desco's viewpoint as well, my viewpoint growing up about the around the back was it was just about showboating. It was just about, you know, standing out, doing something that, you know, will make people notice you. But I've noticed, you know, especially when I'm talking to Canadian players, the around the back is more about it's it's a it's another tool in your in your toolkit. Um, basically yeah. to be able to throw the ball, like, you know, when it's low angle to increase your odds or, or whatever. Um, is, is that the correct way to think about it? Um, cause it sounds like, like if, if you were doing it in that situation, there must've been, there must've been some reason other than showboating to do the around the back. Is that right? Yeah. We, I think, I think you can ask all the Canadians, um, you know, John Grant juniors, the Gates brothers, everybody that you've seen come through the pros we used, I, at least I can speak for myself. I used the behind the back as my other hand because we right. never were taught to, to switch hands and in, in box across. You never really needed to. You're on right. one side of the floor and one side only, right? So mm-hmm. you never really learned to switch hands. Right. And that was, you know, if you, if you look at the behind the back pass or shot and hold your stick there, it is exactly the same angle as if you had time to turn and switch hands. Right. So I teach that at my, at my camp. So the kids can't believe it when I show them at my camps, yeah. um, that, that it's the same angle and you're there anyway. So when, you know, it's, it's something that, uh, I mastered at an early age. Right. Um, uh, my brother was good at it. My brother, actually, my brother, Bill taught me it, um, but I just kind of mastered it and right. that's it. You know, showboat. Yeah. Showboat move kind of, it's a, it's flair. Right. It's some trickery, you know, it's trickery. It eludes the goalie because the goalie can't see the stick coming behind your back mm-hmm. and you can hide it, disguise it. You can go high or low with it. Right. So that's why I used it. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, I, you mentioned John Grant cause he was, um, well, besides AJ Shannon, who I played with, John Grant was the first, um, Canadian that I, that I played against that I just, I, I mean, I remembered, almost everything he did was either around the back or around the world. And every time, almost every time it it was not a showboat thing. It was a, Hey, this is what he's going to use to get out of a sticky situation. There are like two or three or four guys on him sometimes. And the only way that he can make a pass is by throwing it around the back. Um, and it completely changed the way that I think about it. Um, and I think the way you mm-hmm. put it is the right way, where it's it's essentially just your other hand. If you can master it, it's just like having. If you're a lefty, it's like having a right hand. If you're a righty, it's like having a left hand. Yeah, yeah. People bug me all the time. Uh, Joe is. They ask questions. How many lefty goals did you score in your career? Mm-hmm. I bet I had. I bet I can count on on two hands. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Probably eight, maybe maybe eight maybe eight in the forty years I played. <laughs> right. Right. Um, <laughs> I just never, you know, I never, uh, never thought of it. I, I look back now at my college career. I think it would have helped me to learn how to shoot and pass lefty more. Um, I just, but I just never, I never learned. I tried to. It's very awkward for me to get a right. hard enough shot left-handed. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, behind the back and the reverse backhand which yep. they actually call Tommy twist. They actually call the reverse backhand Tommy twist here in Victoria. Huh. <laughs> um, um, Cause I've done, I did all this at an early age growing yeah, up here. Yeah. So, so I'm curious. I mean, I, I, I think I know the answer, but I have to ask, you know, for any young players listening, how would you recommend that they practice that stuff and, and master it? 
I, you know, practice it, practice it at home, practices, practice against the bounce back, the goal that got your home. Don't really go try it and, and practice. Um, I would try to just, just master it. I was very fortunate. My brother, my brother, Bill would go and goal on the driveway and we grew up with a four by four box goal mm-hmm. and he would actually put the pads on. He'd have mostly half the box pads on and we'd shoot tennis. I'd shoot tennis balls mm-hmm. on him and I like, you know, as a kid, Victoria Shamrocks was the team I loved. Victoria Shamrocks, the WLA indoor box team, you know, they've been around for a hundred years here, won many man cups. Right. I just, I am, I emulated all my idols. You know, Kevin Alexander was one of my idols. He, mm-hmm. Kevin Alexander had the best stick back in the day in the seventies and eighties. He was uh, amazing. So I pretended right. I was Kevin Alexander, you know, Kevin Alexander in that drive. And I just practiced it behind the back and the reverse backhands and, mm-hmm. and, then, then I went, then I became comfortable enough and I started trying a little bit of that in practice. Right. And, you know, I figured if it didn't work, it didn't work. I'll never do it again. My coach would yell at me and why would I hurt the team? You know? Right. Um, right. but when you score that, when you score that first goal, you get mm-hmm. confidence, uh, behind the back, whatever reverse backhand and you, you start trying it more. And I used it, you know, I used it more for, just eluding defenders, you know, mm-hmm. bringing them towards me, then throwing the behind the back of the reverse back into the open guy. Right. So that's why, you know, I, I use it a lot for just passing rather than just scoring. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so I do have, I do have some other questions about Syracuse, mostly that I want to ask you um, <laughs> from my time at Syracuse, but I'll bring those up later. Um, I want to jump in. Um, to your coaching career. Um, so can you tell us, uh, when did you start coaching? Uh, oh, very easy. First, first coaching gig was at St. Joe's University in Philly. Hmm. Um, it actually happened pretty nice. I, I, pretty nicely. I was graduating from Syracuse and I needed a job. And hmm. uh, somebody, I forgot who did, told me that there's, there's an assistant coach job opening at St. Joe's in Philadelphia on the main line there, mm-hmm. actually city line. Um, and it worked out perfectly cause I was, I just got, uh, I was just starting with the uh, Philadelphia wings as a rookie. Right. So I called, I called them up. They said, do you have a resume? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yep. Can you hand it in? Yep. So I handed them the resume. Uh, the guy's name was Pat Denon, the head coach. He's the one that kind of, he, he saw it after me. He, he, he knew I was, you know, needing a job and, Right. He, uh, he came, he called me and, and, and then I went and I, I lived there. Um, I lived at St. Joe's university going to grad school. It was January. And that's when I started playing for the Philadelphia wings as a rookie in 1994. Mm-hmm. And it worked out perfectly. So I was a bit nervous cause I never really coached coach before. Yeah. I kind of just learned, I kind of learned from him and our other assistant just watching, watching cause you know, I, I could obviously coach, shooting, passing, and all that, but I didn't really know how to coach, coach the offense. Right. Um, right. So I learned from them. Um, and after that, the, the year the, it, it ended in what, May, middle May, I got a phone call and talked to a trainer at St. Joe's and he said, there's a job opening at um, McDonough School here in Baltimore, McDonough. And I started, I went there, I moved to uh, Baltimore, started working for STX. And I was a part-time teacher at McDonough and I was, I was coaching with uh, Jake Reed, who was the head coach there. Right. Um, and, and I lasted, I was coaching at McDonough for two years and we were terrible. <laughs> we were, <laughs> we were absolutely terrible. Um, it's not the, it's not like the McDonough you see now. It, right. it, we were just, I think we, we won one game that, that first year I was coaching oh, wow. in 95, one game. Huh. And we got killed by all the powerhouses, you know, Gilman and boys Latin and, St. Paul's, Loyola, you name right. it, everybody just killed us. Right. Um, so I stuck it out. I coached again there. Then I got a gig, a new job at Glen Elk Country School in Howard mm-hmm. County here in Maryland. And mm-hmm. I was there for 15 years as the head coach, mm-hmm. um, teaching, coaching. I had my camps. You know, I ran a bunch of camps in the, in the 90s. Right. Um, and I started getting better, better and better. I started enjoying coaching more. And when you enjoy anything, right, just like playing, if you enjoy, if you enjoy it, truly enjoy it, you get right. good at it. You, you get yeah, better you at it. You just continue to get better. And right. It's exact, just like playing. So right. um, 
I got better and better. I, I watch other coaches coach. Mm-hmm. And so from Glen Oak country, I, uh, I coached the Under Armour during that Glen Oak country Under Armour with Booker Corrigan. We coached the senior uh, showcase. Uh, mm-hmm. team. Um, I still coach camps all, all, all summer from, from there, went to friend school near my house. I thought it was a great opportunity because it was only a mile from my house where we lived the whole time because mm-hmm. Glenog was a good 50-minute commute. From there, I started this other school, uh, winning the, actually winning uh, Under Armour uh, Underclassmen uh, Baltimore Championship for the first time. I didn't realize Baltimore's never won it for the Underclassmen games, and, you know, mm-hmm. rising 12th graders. Yeah. And on, on that team, it was easy to win. On that team, we had Shaq Stanwick, we had Mikey Wynn, oh, wow. Tal Bruno, Tal Bruno. Yeah, we had a lot of a lot, a lot of, of good uh, players. Uh, players. Uh, hmm. you know. So I just put a couple plays in on man up, a couple maybe two plays on on offense. And I I hired really good, you know, defensive coach, right. midi coaches, and we went with it and we went six and oh during that whole tournament so it was fun that was uh, very exciting awesome yeah so and that is pretty much my coaching so i've I've coached for 23 years now 23 24 Hmm. so so you know looking back over those 23 24 years um you know especially from when you were starting when you transitioned from being a player to a coach what would you say some of the biggest lessons you learned um after that transition not to get too frustrated on your players if you if you lose a game, you know I, I've learned that. Um, you know, try to have, try to be, try to have them buy into what you're trying to do. You know, obviously skill set training, have them accomplish something before. Mm-hmm. You know, you step on the field and just be just be a good leader to the to the guys on the team and have mm-hmm. them respect you, give them respect. Right. obviously. So yeah, I've learned that the value of life and yeah. respect is, is mm-hmm. a big, big key. So then, so looking back on a, a similar question, so what's one thing that you learned as a coach that you wish you had learned earlier as a player? Ooh, good question. As a coach, just keep your head up. You know, you lose a game, keep your head up and just work hard to to win and you know win the next game um and again respect respect your opponents respect your your fellow uh you know your your teams your opponent teams your teams you're playing against um Mm -hmm. and just don't get down don't get down if you lose a game you know keep your head up the whole time and be just be positive 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 thinking makes sense makes sense um so so real quick for for any of the younger players listening Besides the basics, like, you know, going to the wall, um, if you were to pick one or two things that you would recommend to a young offensive player, um, you know, what would you recommend that a young op- uh, offensive player do to improve their game? Just one or two things, if you can pick them. Um, like I said, growing up, watch, watch other players. Watch other players in college or pros that play your position and kind of emulate the good things they do take a take a piece from a player take another one from another player you right. might be shooting on the run it might be dodging you know just kind of emulate your your idols then try it on your own um you know the the whole the whole world right now in lacrosse people think just standing around throwing it against a bounce back or against the wall not moving your feet is the way to do it it, it isn't that's not realistic in lacrosse you're always moving so you want to, I tell everybody, move with the ball, move without the ball, switch mm-hmm. hands, go off the wall, go off the board, have, you know, play pass with your sister or brother in the backyard. Right. Make it realistic for you. Make it realistic for you. And, and, you know, dodge, go around cones in the backyard, you know, just make it realistic. Don't stand right. and just pass off the wall or just pass to a friend. Don't stand. Right. That's right. not realistic. So all of it, it sounds like, all of your improvement came from, uh, you know, either practice or messing around in the backyard. Um, it, it sounds like you, yep. you weren't doing too much by yourself. Is that right? By myself in the driveway growing up back in Victoria, I did a lot with the tennis ball and the four by four goal and I had music going. Music always soothes me. I love right. listening to music when I play. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a couple friends 
neighbor as neighbors behind me. They would come in and we'd play we'd play lacrosse uh, together. So I did have friends around. It wasn't always by myself. Right. Um, and we'd play in the driveway. We'd play on the grass sometimes. But don't forget, I grew up playing box across. So we just play on concrete and uh, right. and just play with music on and and. We had an in-ground pool in the backyard, and after an hour or two of playing, we'd go take a dip in the pool, like get the barbecue going. Right. And I'm you know, 11 years old. My my parents are at work. I'm 11. I'm putting hot dogs and burgers on the grill, drinking Kool-Aid, <laughs> and we made it. We made it fun, and that was my childhood. I was very fortunate, like I said, growing right. up in Victoria, and and watching the Victoria Shamrocks play and emulating my idols, and and that's how I got better. I wanted mm-hmm. to be good. I wanted to right. be the best, and that's that's. I thrived on that, and that's what probably made the player that I was. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to your point that you made before. If you're having fun, if you're enjoying yourself, if you're enjoying doing something, you're just going to continue to get better the more and more you do it. Yes, absolutely, Joe. Right, right. Um, So I do have a few just miscellaneous questions about Syracuse, stuff that I heard while I was up there. Um, you know, that I just, I, I have to ask if it's true or not. <laughs> um, so number one, this was, this was something that everybody at Syracuse told me about coach Simmons. Um, and I really have no, I, I had no way to verify it. I want to know if you can. So we heard that, uh, you know, especially during the era of you and, and the gates, you know, the early days at Syracuse, um, is it true that coach Simmons would just throw a lacrosse ball out and have you guys scrimmage all day while he, he while he painted on the hill. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he painted on the hill, but he would look. We're on Coin Field. There was that hill that we used to run. Right. He would just look at the tree. He would look at the trees and the birds. He would let he would let the the coaches, his assistants, Desco and and uh, and Donahue coach us. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you that 1990 team, the special team, yeah, we didn't really need, we didn't really need any plays or drills. We just were were so gifted, and it was, it was very fortunate that there was a lot of practices in the dome where they just kind of rolled the ball out, and we kind of set up our own man up plays. Wow, <laughs> it was, they really uh, did do that. Yeah, huh. we did, we did, we did. So some of that story you mentioned is is yeah. true in a way. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, we. Uh, we knew we knew each other so well in 1990. You know, you got the Rodney Dumpsons and the Gate Brothers, myself, Matt Pale, and Pat McCabe, Jim Meek, and Greg Burns. Uh, we knew each other. We knew each other off and on the field. We were one right. big family. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why, to this day, I'll be honest with you, I, I still cry watching that movie Miracle with the oh. U.S. hockey team in 1980. Yeah. Great movie. I... I yeah, I, I would actually, I tell every kid out there in America to watch that movie because right. it's actually, it is so close to where, how I grew up with all the teams I played on hmm. and the, and the, just the, you know, just gelling together as, as a team family. And, and, uh, and yeah. that's what we were in 1990. We'd hang out after practice, um, you know, girlfriends, uh, family members would travel everywhere, uh, parents. Yeah. They wouldn't. They wouldn't miss the game. So, yeah, nineteen ninety. And you're right. Yeah. Uh, that year, there wasn't too much Desco, Simmons, and Donnie. You had to do as far right. as uh, structure. Yeah. So that I mean, I guess you sort of touched on this, but I guess I want to ask you directly. You know, I mean, obviously, you, the Gates, you know, the, everybody on the team. You said you know could have started anywhere. Um, so you guys had ama- amazing players, right? But but talent isn't always what wins it. So, so what would you say made you guys so great or made that team so great? Just that, going back, we, we knew each other very well. We, I would know, I would know, picking, before I even picked that ball up off the mm-hmm. turf, right. I, would know, I would know who's beside me to make that pass to. Hmm. And it seemed like we all had that instinct, every one right. of us. Right, because we played hard. We loved we loved each other. We we hung out at nights together on campus, mm-hmm. Marshall Street, wherever. Um, and that's what made it special. And to win like we did that year, every single game. I think the, I think they said the average score of every game was something like twenty-one to seven. Right, was our average score. We we would win. Um, right. 
we just we just knew going into that game that for the you know first time probably ever in my life and still to this day we knew we were going to win. Right. It didn't matter if it was against it didn't matter if it was against Johns Hopkins or uh, Carolina. You know those are the two other teams besides us that won it in the in the eighties. Um, we just we just knew we had a better team. We had a better team, and right. we were ready for it. Yeah, so that's it, that's what made it special. Yeah, it's it's funny that you describe it that way. That you guys just knew where everybody was because you know, I mean, back then it was hard, you know, to be able to watch um, lacrosse games on TV. But the few that I did get the chance to watch, it it, it absolutely seemed like that. It, it looked like just everybody on the field was just one step ahead um, of everybody else on the other team. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. just, you know, there was, there were scenes, there were scenes, though, scenes out there on the field that most teams wouldn't throw through, right. you know, throw us past to. Yeah. There were scenes that we saw that were wide open, big right. scenes. Right. And, and that's, right. that was, that made us special. We just were right. so comfortable throwing that pass. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, not only that, it'd be like a 25 yard pass around the back to somebody wide open on the crease. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, exactly. Something like something like that. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Um, so another question I have is: so you mentioned, um, you know, you guys didn't uh, have much of a man up in, in on the '90 team, but there was one story I heard uh, about Coach Desco designing the the carry to corner um, man up play that we did when we were, uh, you know, when I was on Syracuse, um, which apparently had been on Syracuse for years and years before that, I had heard, and maybe you can't answer this, but I, I had heard that in the early days of Syracuse, the way that he designed it was he literally took um, a man up team and a man down team away from practice for like two or three weeks and just experimented with a bunch of different plays and then finally came back one day and said, we got it. And that's when he introduced carry to corner and it's been the same man up play since then. Is that true? Or is that, uh, is that a little made up? That, if it, it, Joe, if it was true, it was way after us. We never did a carry to corner play. We did a two, three, one, bang it from the wing up top, Paul gate around behind the back, gotcha. uh, back at X and, and across, it was always a cross field pass back mm-hmm. up top. So we gotcha. never really had that carry the corner. No, no, they, gotcha. they, that was after us. It must've gotcha. been, um, we had the freedom. You know, I remember Joe sometimes throwing a 35, 40 yard, uh, bounce pass in the dome <laughs> to people. Um, that's right. how comfortable we were. We were yeah. that comfortable. We weren't cocky. We, we mm-hmm. just, we just were that comfortable and we were, we were damn good. We were right. good. Right. And, uh, it just, it just felt, it felt great. Um, right. Was it, yeah. was it, did, did you guys have that confidence? Um, you know, obviously it sounds like some of that confidence comes from, you know, you guys just knowing how good you were and, and how well you guys knew each other. Um, but how much did coach Simmons contribute to that Simmons, confidence Simmons. as well? Simmons, Simmons, Simmons. Yeah. I was, I was going to stop you. Yeah. Simmons definitely gave us the green light. He gave right. us the green light. Um, and he let us do all this, you know, we would right. not have been as successful if, if he was tight knit, like some of those coaches, uh, right. uh, that would, that would, that would actually bench you if you threw up behind the back, you know, right. we, he, he never, and he, he realized the talent he had, he gave mm-hmm. the gates and I freedom because he realized, Hey, these guys use this pass or shot all their lives. Right. And, uh, why not let them, it's, it's art, you know, cause he was an artist. Let's face it. He was an artist. Right. He was an art major. He was an artist. Right. And to him, it was like painting. It was like a, it was like blank, it was like a blank canvas. He's like, all right, right. I got the blank canvas. I, I got the paint and the brushes, which are the mm-hmm. players. Let's right. see what they can design here. Let's see what kind of art they can they can make for me. So that's how that's how we think. That's how we right. thought. Because he said it many times. Yeah, he was. Uh, I, I mean, you know, I, I never played for him, but by the time when I was up in Syracuse, I did. You know, I talked to him, and he was on the bus sometimes. He he is the absolute best. Um, I really do yeah. want to get him on the show because I feel like I, I don't know anybody else in lacrosse even remotely close to him in terms of his outlook on life and lacrosse in general. It's incredible. Yep, yep. It's, yeah. It is incredible. There, yeah, he was amazing. He was a special person. And I know not an only in, in obviously mine, Gary, and Paul's life. I'm sure a lot. He touched a lot of lives. Right. After you know years years have gone, and I've talked to old teammates of mine, and yeah, he's touched a lot of lives. 
He's the best. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So yeah. just just a few more. This one, this one I, I I hadn't heard before, but when I was doing my research, uh, I saw this one on the internet. So it's rumored that you may have scored more goals behind the back than overhand. True or false? <laughs> it's false. It's false. <laughs> but all I guess what they what people see is the highlights, and the highlights they have is obviously. The, all the behind the back goals, the good goals, but right. no, that's false. But right. you know what? I would still say, I would still say 30, I'd be up to 35%. Right. I would say behind the back, you <laughs> which know, is, um, which is pretty far up there. <laughs> yeah, it is up there. It, it, yeah. it is up there. I, I don't know who's, I don't know who holds the record, John Grant Jr. or me, as far as behind the back goals. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, according, uh, According to some places on the internet, it's you. So, well, uh, yeah, we'll yeah, I, I've I've heard that, I've heard right. that, but it's definitely ridiculous. No, I definitely did not <laughs> score more behind the back than sidearm or overhand. No, absolutely gotcha. false. Gotcha. Um, all right, so um, you know, before I let you go, two more questions. Can you tell us um, about your your new position at IMG Academy? Sure, Joe. Yeah, I'm uh, very excited. Um, it's it's been it's been a real hectic seven weeks here um, mm-hmm. since I've interviewed and all of a sudden we're uprooting you know we're relocating my whole family I have a right. wife uh, Catherine my wife Catherine Marichek she actually played lacrosse at Delaware she's a Philly girl hmm. um, my two boys my two boys Kerner K O E R N E R Kerner is going to be an eighth grader uh, at IMG Academy which is nice all right. Um, nice. Cade is my my rising fifth grader. Um, Cade's Cade, and they both play lacrosse and soccer. Uh, Cade's going to start elementary school because IMG Academy does not start until sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's an it's it's a position I always kind of looked at for a few years, thinking mm-hmm. you know what this this would be the ideal position for me because I I love directing. So I'm now, I am the director of lacrosse at IMG Academy. I am not right. the coach. What people think I'm the coach, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, I help oversee the boys and girls programs. I help with the recruiting process. I help uh, just manage day-to-day operations, structure, practice, practice structures. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't get me wrong. I'm going to be on the field. And if I see something that I don't like, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm sure. I'll bring the coaches I'll bring the coaches in and say, oh, why don't you try this? Try this player, <laughs> try this structure, try this drill. Um, right. So, yeah, I am very, very excited, Joe, to take this position. Um, mm-hmm. My good, my boss, Scott Dean, who's the athletic director, um, mm-hmm. believes in me. Um, he's been nothing but uh, gracious. Um, and he made this happen. So the school and, and Shay Yates is another woman that, has been great. She's been setting up times and travel times for me and, mm-hmm. and appointments and interviews. And she, so both of them, Shay and Scott have been unbelievable in this whole process. So I want awesome. to thank them. And now we're excited. My kids were nervous at first. My wife was just shocked. She didn't know what to do because <laughs> for the first, for the first time since 1994, I've been in Baltimore for 25 years. Right. And so first time I'm making a move, it's almost, I just told, so it's funny. I told my, my family yesterday when I got to Victoria here that, uh, it's, it's almost, it almost feels like when I left Syracuse for the first time in 89 to, to go across mm-hmm. country, you know, it's, right. it, it feels like it's that big of a, of a change. So wow. IMG Academy, I totally believe in them. When, once you step on that campus, all you think about is branding, professionalism, good academics and a good chance to get these athletes to the spots, the places they need to go colleges, pros. And it's, it's, it's a, it's just a well-oiled machine. And I'm so happy to be a part of it because it is, it's all me. It's about lacrosse. I don't have to concentrate on teaching anymore. Hmm. Um, you, you know, so for me, IMG Academy is the spot to be. And I really hope people take a serious look at it because yeah, they will definitely get they will definitely get the most out of it. Um, right. Just reach out just reach out online to IMG Academy, and I'll be happy to answer any questions. Uh, awesome. Scott Dean will be happy to answer any questions, and it's only going to grow. We're only going to grow this, 
to the national level it deserves to be. And, and I, you know, that's why they hired me. So yeah, I'm very excited about, about this position. Yeah. Well, I mean, congratulations and, and I'm excited to see what happens next. Um, I will definitely include any URLs um, or any information about IMG Academy in the blog post for this episode. So if anybody's listening, you can go find more information about it there. Um, but, uh, but Tom, listen, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time, but there's been one question I ask everybody who who's come on the show. Um, sometimes some people think it's the hardest question. Uh, what are three things everyone should be doing every day to get better at whatever it is they do? It doesn't have to just be lacrosse. Uh, to believe, to believe, mm-hmm. to believe in themselves, to believe in anything, workplace, team, um, just believe that you can mm-hmm. accomplish it. Mm-hmm. Work hard. Mm-hmm. Nothing comes for nothing comes free. Nothing comes easy. You have to work at it, you know, because mm-hmm. I know this is a cha- this will be a challenge for me. This job mm-hmm. to get the right people in, the right players, the right families involved. Um, so work harder, work harder. Mm-hmm. And third, have fun. Just have fun doing what you like doing. Have fun. If you don't have mm-hmm. fun, what's the sense of doing it? You know, right. you're not going to win games in lacrosse if you're not having fun as a player you're not going to win games as a coach if you're not having fun coaching mm-hmm. and anything you do, you know, if you're a fireman, if you're, if you're sick of sitting in the fire hall four days at a time, <laughs> right. do something else, you know, have right. fun with what you do. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, Tom, listen, like I said, I really appreciated the conversation. Thanks so much for taking the time and coming on. Um, hopefully we can talk again soon. Joe, thank you for having me and, and good luck to everybody. And I hope to, uh, see some people down in IMG. Bradenton, Florida is absolutely gorgeous and uh, it's just an amazing place. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Uvoli. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Uvoli. You can find more episodes of the Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast on this season at thisseason.gc.com. If you like the podcast, please take a second to give it a positive review on iTunes. This helps more people find the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GC Sports. And if you're a coach, a parent, or you run a traveler club team, check out Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. It's an essential all-in-one scheduling and communication app for lacrosse coaches and parents. Game Changer Team Manager is free, it's easy to use, and it doesn't serve ads. Learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager. Until next time, keep working and keep getting better.